to a therapist of Buddhists and you brought to you by the Recovery Collective in Annapolis, Maryland. My name is Luke Dubois and I am here with my friend, my confidant, my cohort, the one and only Zomo. Hey Zal. Hey Luke, good to see you in person. In person. We haven't done a, a physical in-person one in quite a while, so it's been good to get back to our 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 studio, aka office in Annapolis, Maryland, at the Recovery Collective. It's got a good feel here, doesn't it? I like coming here. Yeah, it's uh, it's been nice that we have the ability of technology and be able to do it at our humble abodes, but there's something about doing an in-person episode, I feel. Definitely, yeah. What are we talking about today? Well, we're going to talk about the serenity prayer and all the things that are wonderful and powerful and tactful and impactful when it comes to that. But we've done a year's worth of episodes, which have been awesome, but uh, we've been throwing around the idea of uh, eventually starting a second season. And often what comes becomes before a second season is a little break. So Zal and I have been contemplating when we'll take just a a little time off and we're throwing around the idea that we take um, February off and recharge our batteries and we'll probably record a couple during the month of February, but um, we've got certainly a few other content ideas. We're beginning to to brainstorm so that way we can bring all of our wonderful listeners and... um, but right now we're throwing around the idea of taking the month of February off and then getting into season two, beginning of March. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, recharge our batteries and and uh, look forward to uh, giving content through the episodes and maybe some, uh, we'll talk more later about it, but more content in different platforms that we can give the listeners in the future as well. Sounds good. Serenity prayer. Mm. Let's jump in. Um, it's interesting, you know, we're, we're both in recovery and there's so many things that I've, I can easily get complacent on. You know, we go to meetings and something that we say all the time is I'm Luke, I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic. And we say that all the time, but Sometimes that that it's in itself can lose meaning. Like there's there's a reason why I say it. It's not just um, ritualistic or traditional to do so. And when I say that in a meeting, and I'm I'm Luke, I'm an alcoholic. What I I try to remind myself and to do is really what one of my favorite definitions of an alcoholic is: is step one. That when I say that, then I, I want that to remind me that I'm powerless over drugs and alcohol and that my life had become unmanageable and that can be an empower thing and not a, not a frustrating woe is me type thing. And, but we can just say that and this is part of the, the routine. And I think that can be true for something just as powerful as this serenity prayer that we often say after meetings, whether it's the Lord's prayer or the, the serenity prayer. And we can just say the words and, and we can get complacent on the power of these words and the intentionality behind these words. And so we talk about a collective solution to health and wellness. I think the serenity prayer that we have certainly 
highlighted pieces over in this uh, season one over this past year, and we've 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 mentioned the Serenity Prayer for a lot of different reasons. So I felt it's a really good time to give it its show, give it its own episode, and mm. really break down the Serenity Prayer and the power that can can come from the meaning and the intention behind that prayer. What do you think? That sounds really good. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for that prayer. There's nothing that serenity prayer cannot be applied to. Mm. So that's what I like about that prayer. And I have a lot of respect for the recovery community and this prayer too. So I just want to do begin by saying that I'm very curious about what's going to be unpacked out of it. Mm -hmm. But um, at the same time, I, I was taught this prayer by uh, a friend who was in the 12-step program, and I haven't even joined the program. And she taught me that, and then I had to memorize it. It was tricky to memorize it, but then I really believe that that prayer has been keeping me around mm -hmm. all along. And uh, so, yeah, I have a lot of respect for that, but I also know that it has some uh, religious background to it. So I just wanted to make sure that I approach it from a layman point of view, but also the wisdom embedded in it. And also, yeah, we'll talk more about it. Like for me, it had more to do with the, uh, I believe in the power of prayer in terms of bringing mindfulness to the present moment. So for me, those were like meditation moments where when we go to 12-step recovery meetings, at the end they say it or in the beginning they say it. So it's like the coming together of all the attention into this sound of the prayer. So like that's how I started getting a sense of belonging. Yeah. So I believe in that unison and then the that um, union of unity of people saying it together. And I believe in the power too, in that. I like it. And as you guys know, we, we certainly like to break things down and do a deeper dive. So we're going to do that with the prayer. Mm -hmm. And even though this is a prayer, a lot of people look at this in a non-religious way. They, people often look at it in a spiritual way or a, a union connecting thing which we're going to just kind of go in and go for it. So that, that first word, you could spend a whole session group on God. We're not gonna. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you don't like the word God, you can replace it with, I'm giving you the listeners the option to replace it with higher power, with to whom it may concern, um, whatever you so choose. But we're not going to spend the whole session on that one word when it comes to 12 steps. It's as we understood him. And, and if you look at the steps, we understand that it's something more powerful than just us in its own right. So, mm -hmm. but it says this higher power, God, grant me. It's we ask. It's our first kind of sign of humility, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We ask this power to whom it may concern Grant me, allow me to have, let me receive, give me. It's a humble request of this divine assistance or this to intervene, meaning not left to my own devices. I'm, I'm looking at something, not just me, and we're asking the it, the, the power, this, if it's divine, if you so look at it that way, we're asking and it's. It's a humbling process off the get-go. To whom it may concern, please give me. <laughs> Quite a way to uh, start a, start an ask or, or a prayer. Right? Mm -hmm. 
So we start out with a humble request. Grant me serenity. And I'm known for saying that, to me, my favorite thing that I've ever gotten from sobriety and recovery is this word. And we're asking this power, whatever it might be, to whom it may concern, we're asking this power in a humble as way as possible to give me, allow me to have, intervene so I can have this peace of mind, calmness of mind. What do you think about that? Yeah, a lot is already packed in, in those words. We started quick, didn't we? Yeah. But you know, the thing about God or higher power, uh, I think that part is very important uh, for whoever because it can be the universe, but the, the wording of that really is about addressing it, turning my attention towards something positive, you know. So I feel like that part is important too. We cannot skip it. It's like, you know, when I'm talking to you, I want to, hey, Luke, like, as opposed to I'm just talking out into the air yeah. to whomever. So like using a particular word or whatever it means a lot to you, that's like turning, tuning all the attention to that mm -hmm. so that I am paying attention, I'm addressing to it. So I think that part is also really important because we're setting an intention, addressing it. Um, <clears throat> but then the grant part mm -hmm. is, is interesting because uh, I, I look at it from a non-theistic point of view for me. <laughs> Is that, um, you know, Grant as saying, like, you mentioned it about humbly asking, you know, with humility. Yeah. So, like, if I just look at it, just like grant me as a word, that's kind of misleading. But if I look at the whole prayer, because this is a big deal about just any kind of spiritual practice in general, is that when I'm asking for something, it's not about what I'm asking for, but whether that grant is, whether that wish is granted or not, has to do with the motive. So, I want a lot of money, but is it, for me to go buy drugs and alcohol or I want a lot of money is it to help people so if I think about that from that point of view grant me the serenity like this granting has to do with a good purpose you know mm. so um, so yeah it's not a demand but it's more about like you said allow me to have this so that I can use it for a good purpose which is unpacked later yeah it's it's I'm asking for calmness <laughs> Me asking for this peace of mind, this calmness of mind, which is one way I synonymously I, I define serenity, implies a desire for inner peace in the face of challenges and uncertainties. And I often say that recovery in the spiritual principles of these 12 steps that we have come to, to apply in our lives to the best of our abilities gives me the ability to have internal peace, even though I have potentially external chaos. And sometimes I ask from my higher power to please allow me, give me <laughs> the serenity when I can have, whether it's internal or external chaos. So that word, it didn't say grant me sobriety. It says grant me serenity. Higher power, allow me, give me peace of mind, calmness of mind. Grant me serenity. And to me, that is, we, we see that in the promises and we see that in the, in the literature and in, the, in the, the heart of the spiritual principles. It's not about things. It's about how we deal <laughs> with things 
in life on life's terms. And having serenity and peace of mind is the opposite of, I think, restore us to, to sanity, right? If I don't have sanity, then I don't have serenity. If I don't have serenity, then it gives me another reason to drink a drug, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I often drank to numb out feelings. I often drug to feel better or feel different. Well, if I have serenity, if I have calmness, tranquility, peace of mind, I can still have external chaos. I can still have stress in my life. But I can, if I can have peace, internal peace, even with those, ex- wow. So sometimes we need this power greater than ourselves or a higher power or this spirituality to feel this peace of mind, calmness of mind. Mm-hmm. Well, why? God grant me the serenity to accept. To me, this is a, a crucial aspect of the recovery process to accept things. Don't you think? Definitely. Yeah. And before moving on, I do also want to emphasize or the way I look at it is that breaking down is very important, Mm -hmm. but also like the integrity and the wholeness of the prayer seals the deal. Mm -hmm. So like the way, as you were talking, the way I was thinking is that that granting or asking, demanding can be misleading. Mm -hmm. So like, because I also wanted to emphasize about the consistency, doing it repeatedly, but also taking responsibility because when I like ask, give it to me, you know, the difference that I think of like, okay, higher power, give me a fish. I mm. demand it as opposed to God, help me learn how to fish. Mm. There's a big difference between give me what I need as opposed to teach me so that I can learn how to be serene. So it's all unpacked yeah. later in the whole prayer. But no, like, you see that in the prayer, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the reason to, it says Grant, which is a much more humble way than demanding. Grant is another way for allow or allow me to know the difference or the, the difference between accepting and changing the things I can and can't, right? And we'll break all that down. And I think you're right. And, and words are powerful and they can confuse us or they can give us more empowerment, right? And I think there's a reason why it says grant as opposed to demand <laughs> or whatever mm-hmm. word. Yeah. So let's go to accept. Yeah. That word is a crucial aspect in the recovery process. It's a fun, fundamental step in moving beyond denial, isn't it? Acceptance. Mm-hmm. If we don't accept things, then we are potentially, what? Potentially in denial. If we don't accept things, then what do you think? Yeah, there, there already is a sense of surrender embedded in accepting. I like that. So I like that because... Um, yeah, accepting means seeing the truth, you know, and yes, no fighting. I accept it. <laughs> so there's a lot of peace in that already. That advice or that instruction or that direction helped me to accept, you know. Yes. Even if it's like things I cannot change or things I can change, it doesn't matter. Just like asking for that acceptance mm-hmm. already is an act of surrender. And it's it serves as a foundation for change. If I can accept things for how they are, then I can better identify the things that I can and can't change. Mm-hmm. I am not in denial if I accept things for how they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't have to like it, <laughs> but I can sure accept it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It helps us embrace responsibility. If I accept I'm not in denial, I am embracing the responsibility 
it's a foundation for change. And it's very mindful, isn't it? If we accept things, it's, I'm in the present moment without future or unnecessary judgment when I actually accept things for how they are. Mm. Yeah, to sprinkle a little bit of uh, Buddhism to it, it makes me think of like, when I think about accept, it's like that concept of uh, metta, the episode that we've done on loving kindness. So when I say accept, like there is a sense of friendliness, welcoming. When I accept a friendship, when I accept somebody's invitation, there's a sense of harmony that Mm -hmm. when I accept it, there is no resistance, there is no fighting, there is no against. It's all about, yeah, you know, I'm welcoming it. Good. To accept the things we cannot change. So let's identify things, some of the things we cannot change. Past actions. Mm -hmm. Can't change past actions. Can't change a genetic predisposition. (laughs) I can't change my genetics. Can't change certain consequences. When I had my felony charge, I completely accepted that the judge could uh, deem me, you got a felony charge and you're going to do three months in jail. Like... I accepted completely that I believe I did all the things that I could, but the rest, when I was in front of that, that judge mm. for, you know, copious amounts of cannabis and, and, uh, they charged me for intended distribute that I completely accepted that I did the things that I could and whatever that judge was going to do. I was going to be okay with it because I felt like in my, at that point, months into sobriety, that I, I went to treatment. I was going to a 12 step fellowship. And regardless of what was going to happen, that I was going to be okay. I had enough peace of mind and calmness of mind that even though if I was going to get a charge to felony and it wasn't going to be PBJ and I was going, if I was going to do jail time, that I did everything in my power to, to not do that. And if I was going to do jail time, I accepted it. And I had peace of mind, the first part of this prayer, that I was going to be okay. Because I did, I did all the things that I could, I felt. Mm-hmm. So I, I accepted whatever the consequences were going to be. I accepted that sometimes we have to accept other people's behaviors. Sometimes I want to change people. <laughs> but I, I can't uh, control or change people, can I? Mm. yeah i like that part too things i cannot change like that naming it the addressing already is a sense of humility mm-hmm. and it's also ego deflating Very. because uh it addresses the fact that i have limitations you know yeah. when i say things i cannot change when i have like really big ego i don't even want to say that that there are things that i cannot change i don't accept it yes. because i can change everything <laughs> so that that wording already is very powerful about limitations that there are things outside of my control that also means that i am dependent on other people to live in this world like there is a coexistence i cannot produce electricity you know (laughs) i need that that's something that i cannot do it on my own so there's a sense of like welcoming again of like opening up that things i cannot change as in yes you know i accept that in the book the 12 step the big book talks about sometimes we try to be the director of our play Mm, (laughs) and that doesn't work out too well. And we're just one player in this, this play of life. 
So when we try to direct everything, that's often when, in my experience, things go south because I try to control people, places, and things that I actually do not have control over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one other thing too, which is kind of a philosophical thing that I've thought about uh, a long time ago, uh, which is kind of originated in Buddhism. When we're th- talking about like things I cannot change, like I cannot also change the process of change. So uh, in Buddhism, there is that concept of everything is changing. Everything is impermanent. Mm-hmm. But then that statement exists outside of impermanence. So that was like a philosophical debate that if <laughs> everything is changing, the fact that everything is changing will be changing too. But that's not true. It is outside of the realm. Yeah. So like things I cannot change also means that I cannot change the process of change. Things are going to move on. People are going to die. Relationships are going to, you know, go away eventually. There is also an acceptance of looking at the process of change. Yeah. Hey, listeners, we've got something extraordinary to share, a chance to reshape your journey no matter where you are. You're familiar with Zalmal's insights on our podcast, but there's more. Through the Recovery Collective, he offers life, mindfulness, recovery coaching, and meditation groups guiding you toward a fulfilled and mindful existence, no matter your location. Zal's journey from a Burmese Buddhist novice to a skilled practitioner equips him with timeless wisdom and contemporary strategies. Whether you're navigating life's shifts, seeking clarity, or pursuing self-awareness, Zal's coaching serves as a compass guiding you toward success. The best part? Zal's approach centers on your growth and empowerment. He equips you with tools to tap into your inner strengths for continuous evolution no matter where you are. Ready to take that next step in your personal growth journey? Connect with Zal Mall and the Recovery Collective at 240-813-8135 from anywhere in the world. Investigating in your journey reaps immeasurable rewards. Let Zal Mall guide you toward resilience, clarity, and empowerment no matter where life finds you. Now, let's transition back into our conversation. Stay tuned, stay curious, and keep your journey growing. Change has a constant. The constant mm-hmm. is change, yeah. And we could go mad over it, or we can accept it. <laughs> I, I am a big believer that I can't change my first thought or my first emotion. That if I had the power not to think of my first thought or want to change my first emotion, I think I'm got this level of powerlessness over that. Maybe my, I'm powerless over my second thought. I'm, I'm certainly not powerless over my third thought and emotion. Maybe not my second thought and emotion, but that first one, I know I'm powerless over. Mm-hmm. I know that I, I can't stop myself for the most part. And I think everybody knows what I'm getting at, that... If Zal looks at me and calls me an asshole, I am powerless over, over my first thought and emotion behind that. But the beauty of, you know, recovery coaching and life coaching that you do and therapy that I do with my clients that uh, helping people with their second, third, fourth thoughts and emotions and, and getting a sense of whether it's control or peace with their th- third, fourth, fifth thoughts and emotions and ultimately behaviors and actions and reactions is, is a joy to help people, to help people with. But that first one, can't stop that one. Can't stop that first thought, first emotion. Mm. And in addition to the thoughts and emotions, just the 
can't change unpredictable future events. Boy, we would like to change the future. <laughs> Sometimes we would like to change the past. We can't. How do we focus on the present and identify the things we can and can't change with the present? Buddhist perspective on that. Yeah, it's all in the present moment, <clears throat> but also um, it makes me take responsibility too. I have no control over the future that I cannot change. Not only I cannot change, I cannot even see you know, what's going to happen. Uh, but it kind of motivates me to focus on what I can do mm -hmm. in this moment. So, um, yeah. Do you want to keep going? I think it's, it's good yeah. to kind of seal. It's amazing how good we think we are at predicting the future. It's amazing how good we think our fear is going to be so accurate about our future and future endeavors. If we were that good at predicting the future, <laughs> we'd, we'd all be very well off and rich, mm. but we're just not that good at it. <laughs> we're just not. And partially because for a lot of us, our fears and our present are affecting our future endeavors and, and, we help a lot of people with the, with that type of anxiety and, and concern and catastrophizing and, and things like that. So let's move on to the next part. Mm. Courage. I think that word we should, we should hit comes from the Latin word core, C-O-R meaning heart and the courage to accept the things I cannot change and the heart, the courage to know the to know the difference, right? And to ability to confront fear, pain, danger, uncertainty, that takes courage, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Whoever came up with this prayer is very, very wise. Yes. Because there's something that just revealed to me just now about how different a prayer could be if that s sequence is sw switched. Mm. God grant me the, God grant me the serenity the courage to change the things I can and then the acceptance to, mm. you know, things like, like that would be so different, sure. but like there's some kind of ego being deflated already starting with things that cannot change. And that only then the heart and the courage and the confidence comes that, okay, what are the things that I can change? You know? So it just dawned on me about the intentional sequence of starting with things that I cannot change yes. and then courage later, you know? Yes. As opposed to, I have this courage, I'm going to change all these things. Oh, there is so little bit of things that I cannot change, you know, but it's, it's not that way. I think it takes, it can take courage to realize the things that I can't change. <laughs> it takes heart to realize the things that I, I don't have control over that I thought or I wish, or I wanted to have control over. Mm -hmm. And that can take heart, that can take vulnerability. So... Yeah, I mean, it takes courage because we can have, we touched upon fear of the unknown, the courage to change the things I can. It can take, change introduce, introduces uncertainty. If there's uncertainty, well, yeah, I think I should do it with heart. <laughs> to do it with, I mean, this thing, it, it comes from the word heart. I think that's so powerful to go from the head to the heart it takes a lot of courage to to lead with that way mm. the source of life 
Yeah, that kind of reemphasized the very first word of the prayer too about God. That you know, whatever the seer of the prayers understanding of God is, but this courage is also empowered by the addressing of that God. Yeah. If I'm just saying I have this courage, where is it coming from? Is it coming from、mm. my ego? You know, is it coming from my intellect? Is it coming from my、uh, mastery over physical abilities? It connects back to the God being、mm. addressed in the beginning. That where am I getting the power from? Where am I getting the courage from? That's good. So there's that setup already in the beginning about ego deflation and addressing、mm. to something greater, and then that power comes through this heart. Yeah, if we allow the Ego deflation, the humility—it allows a room for the heart. It allows even more room for that power, that higher power, the that God. Yeah, well said. So let's say a couple more things that why it takes courage to change these things. Well, we said that it change introduces uncertainty. With change, there's a risk of failure, isn't isn't there?、Mm-hmm. That it involves risk. <laughs> if I could, if there's, if I'm having the courage to change the things I can, well, there's a risk that I might, I can't. <laughs> there's potential setbacks. There's obstacles and challenges. So there's a chance that it won't change. So I need some courage. I need some heart to be okay that it might not change. Mm. Hmm. That's pretty deep. There is comfort in the predictability. You know, there is、yes. comfort in the stability. Like, so I don't want that to change. <laughs> so that's why they say、uh, it requires more effort to remain the same、hmm. uh, than to allow the change to occur. Because if I like this job and if I'm comfortable, even if there is a greater job. Like I'm like yeah I'm comfortable、mm. I don't want to change, <laughs> but then I'm missing out too. So that's a good point about the the courage that、mm. taking a risk, taking some kind of a healthy risk, and、um, yeah letting go of that and trusting that yeah this is this is part of growth. And from my experience, it's it might be a perceived risk. I, I don't. It goes back to the beginning. God grant me. <laughs>、mm. Allow me, give me. I'm humbly asking some peace of mind, calmness of mind in this unknown, in this uncertainty, in this change, and in the in the courage, in the power, the higher power, the heart to change things I can. And there's vulnerability in that, and it may require exposure in these new and situations and ideas, leading to a sense of vulnerability, and that's not comfortable. Vulnerability often has a negative connotation. Why am I in this situation? Oh, I need courage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This part really dispel the sense of victimhood too. You know, or sense of like passive,、uh, pass- being passive.、Mm-hmm. When I address it, like courage to change, it's just taking responsibility. That what is that I can do in this moment? There's there are choices. You know, yes. I have this ability to move my body. I have this ability,、uh, hopefully, to change my thought. You know. Change my attitude.、Um, so yeah, there's a lot of like empowerment in this part of the prayer. I I frequently let people know, and they and recovery is often a vulnerable process for a lot of people, and they fear that they're going to have to change things that they don't want to change. 
And I often give them the perspective, the idea that I don't want you to change things that don't serve you. And, and I don't want you to change things that are going awesome and are healthy in your life. Keep that good. I don't want to change that in you. <laughs> don't you want to change the things that don't serve you and are, are leading to a relapse and lack of peace and lack of serenity and lack of uh, enjoyment in your life? I mean, that's the stuff that I want to help you change. And I just want to help you identify what that actually is. Mm. Oh, <laughs> you know, and that can be empowering and freeing and give people a sense of peace and calmness and tranquility and serenity. But people often have this fear that change isn't going to be good. Well, no, keep the good stuff. I don't want you to change that. I just want to change the things that A, are leading you to relapse and B, are taking serenity out of your life. Mm. Well, that sounds palatable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get vulnerable with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, keep the ones that are good for you. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's identify some things that we can change. We can change behavioral patterns. We can change unhealthy coping skills with healthy, co healthy coping skills. Mm -hmm. We can change an attitude and perspective. I don't want the tunnel vision that's keeping me in the level of the problem. We have a whole episode on contracted awareness and expanded awareness. We can change how we communicate in a healthier way. We can change personal boundaries. Boundaries are for us, aren't for the other people. That can can be a healthy change. We can change career paths that better align with our passions and our goals. We can change lifestyle choices that don't no longer serve us in a healthy way. There's all we can change our second, third, fourth, fifth thought and emotion. There's plenty of things that we do have the ability to change, don't you agree? Yeah. And from the point of view of mindfulness and meditation, um what's true is that we can also change what we pay attention to that it's also very empowering about what am I paying attention to right now? And then becoming aware of it. As soon as I become aware of it, I have a choice to what else should I pay attention to? So that's also another thing that's very helpful for people in recovery, that choosing what I pay attention to, but first becoming aware of, oh, this is what's occupying my mind. Yeah. Let me focus on breathing. Let me focus yeah. on my posture. Let me focus on... Yeah, saying this prayer over and over again, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, that ability to change our thoughts, to change our attention towards something more positive mm -hmm. is also something that we can change. Mm -hmm. Love that a lot. The courage to change the things we can. And often my favorite part of this whole prayer and the wisdom to know the difference. I think that can be the, the hardest thing a lot of times to have the wisdom, the wherewithal to identify the things that I can change and the things that I can't. And how often when I lack serenity, when I lack peace of mind, calmness of mind, the issue is I'm trying to control or change something that I don't actually have the ability to control. <laughs> mm -hmm. How often is it my self-will run riot? How often is it a resentment that things aren't being controlled the way I want them to? So that wisdom and the wisdom, and we're asking, grant me, right? Allow me to have the wisdom, the wherewithal, the courage to identify that, that I have the wisdom to know the difference between the things that I can and can't control. That's how I look at it, to know the difference and accept 
the difference between the things that I can and can't change or the things that I can and can't control. And when I have that wisdom and that acceptance and that realization, whether it's an aha, a light bulb, a spiritual experience of the educational variety, that is freeing that it gives me internal peace a lot of times. That mm-hmm. gives me acceptance. And to have that wisdom, I can not only learn from my mistakes, but I think it's also wisdom that I can have that realization from other people's experiences too. Mm-hmm. That I don't have to learn just from things that I can and can't control. <laughs> that I can hear from other people's experiences and and have peace and serenity and calmness from other people. That's mm-hmm. wisdom too. Yeah, that's also my favorite part of the prayer. And uh, from a Buddhist perspective too, that's like the most Buddhist part of the prayer too, when we're talking about wisdom, which to me is some kind of a discernment, ability to differentiate between what's true and what's false, yeah. what's right, what's wrong, mm-hmm. like an intuitive knowledge, intuitive feeling of, uh, like that wisdom, mm-hmm. which I really equate, I equate wisdom with serenity. I equate wisdom oh, with calmness good. because when somebody is wise, you know, he's serene that's, that's <laughs> because he true. knows the truth, right? Uh, but also that I think the other thing that I like to emphasize on is about the fact that this is not a one-time prayer, you know, mm. it's a muscle memory. I have to keep doing over and over again. The wisdom is not granted. I'm good. You know, it's more like sure. I fail at it. I learn more about the things that I thought I can change and realize I cannot. You know, yeah. there's a lot of learning that happens by constant repeating. Constant change, constant change in my life. So mm-hmm. <laughs> the 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 repetition, the intention, and and for me, not being complacent on this to have the wisdom to activate this again and and make this conscious again in a spiritual way is important for me. Yeah. And one final thought about that wisdom or just the whole prayer in general from the mindfulness and meditation point of view is also, you know, like my understanding of the mind based on my practice is that the mind always crave for pleasure. If there is pleasure, I want more, you know, Hmm. the mind is always chasing after that. But also if there is pain, I want to avoid it like against it. So this prayer especially those contrasts between what I cannot change and what I can change, gives me that wisdom of, oh, is it a thought that I should meet with non-attachment? So if it's pleasure, it's okay to accept it if I look at it from a non-attached point of view. Hmm. Or is it something that I should meet with compassion? Hmm. So like practicing that over and over again gives, builds that wisdom that, oh, that's a very judgmental, negative self-talk that I'm having. (laughs) So I should treat it with compassion. Or, oh, this is a success that I'm taking pride in. I can look at it with non-attachment, not more. You know, that that's also a good uh, guiding principle yeah. behind the thoughts, that wisdom. Yeah. And I'll say it this way, this part of the serenity prayer, because this is only the first half. <laughs> I'll read the second half in a second. Is its own, you hear people say, use the tools in the toolbox. We, we were able to break down and decipher so many skill sets and tools that you can use at different parts and different ways in this prayer. It's just full of, depending with what you're going through, where you're at, what part of this prayer you can apply in your life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The the, the humbling part, the turning over part, the accepting part, the you name it. It's just 
full of coping skills throughout this whole thing. Mm. So if you guys don't mind, I'll read the, the, and I think the second part of this prayer is just as impactful as the first part. I'll read the whole thing. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life, and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. And you can replace Jesus for higher power or God or whatever you want to do, but accepting hardship as a pathway to, pathway to peace. Ooh, we could break that down, couldn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pain is a good teacher. There's, there's a silver lining, and, and anything can be a, a change in acceptance, a, um, a growth aspect. Taking this unfold as it is, another acceptance moment, not as I would have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being able to see things for how they are, not how, as necessarily that I would, if I was the director of play, this is how I would do it. Trusting that you, this higher power, will make things all right if I turn my will over to you, right? That's a lot of third step in that, in that belief. So may so that I may be reasonably reasonably happy in this life, and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Pretty powerful, yeah. Pretty powerful. Well, what do you think? It's good. Yeah, it's good that we're uh, we talk about it, and um, yeah, I I really believe in uh, the power of repetition, the power of prayer. Uh, they're just energy trapped in words, you know, or in statements. And for me, like, I come from that tradition of the oral tradition. So like, I pay really attention to the the sounds, but also the energy that unpacked from those sounds. Mm-hmm. So sometimes like when I say the serenity prayer, that's like my identity or identification with people in recovery, you know. So if I think about whoever has said the serenity prayer in the entire history or even in this moment right now, there's power in there. And I pay attention to Good that energy. Yeah. So, um, healing energy, mm-hmm. spiritual energy. Yeah. When you're even reading that, you know, I started feeling the power behind mm-hmm. that. I started imagining, uh, yeah, all the meetings that I've been to, people that I've said the prayer together with, and people that I've heard the prayer from, like everything's all packed in that moment. I think it takes less than 10 seconds, right? To say the yeah. whole prayer or yeah. even depending on how fast you say it. So, yeah. Yeah, I have a friend in recovery who always says that uh, prayer is great because it doesn't cost you any money mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can do it at any time. Freebie. And, and anywhere. Freebie. Well said. Well said. Well, as we conclude this enlightening exploration of the Serenity Prayer, we hope you've found valuable insights that resonate with your personal journey. Remember, the Serenity Prayer isn't just a collection of words like we're saying. It's a guiding philosophy that can empower you in the face of life's challenges. Some of the key takeaways, acceptance, embracing the things you cannot change, finding peace and surrendering to the natural flow of life. Courage, like we talked about, summon the bravery to change what you can, recognizing the transformative power that lies within, and that wisdom. Cultivate the discernment to know the difference, fostering a deep understanding 
of your path and purpose. So take a moment to reflect on how acceptance, courage, and wisdom can shape your responses to life's twists and turns. Consider incorporating these principles into your daily practices, empowering yourself to navigate challenges with grace. Thank you for joining us in this journey of self-discovery and mindfulness. If you found value in today's episode, we invite you to share it with others who might benefit. Don't forget to subscribe for more transformative content. As you step back into the rhythm of your day, carry the spirit of the serenity with you. Remember, every challenge is an opportunity for growth, and within you lies the power to create positive change. So until next time, stay serene and stay empowered. Subscribe, share, and continue your journey to a more serene and intentional life. Thank you for being part of the Recovery Collective and the Therapist Buddhist in You. My name is Luke DeBoy. And this is Zoff. Thank you all for listening. See you in a month. <laughs>